These are our last two Sundays as your pastors, this week here, next week at Roland Heights. You've been our church family for more than 14 years. But Jesus is the head of the church, amen? amen? And God has given us a new assignment, one that was confirmed by God in several ways and through our leadership. And so uh, we stand here ready uh, to serve the churches of Northern California on behalf of the Lord and all of you. And so first, we just want to say thank you for sending us, uh, for your love and support, for your faithfulness over the years, and for your faith in what God is going to do in the months to come. These are good days. This is a time for thanksgiving and praise and new beginnings for all of us. And the Spirit of God is here today, speaking to us and encouraging us, empowering us and guiding us. And we believe here at Trinity Church that every believer, every person that claims Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that you have a special purpose here at our church. In Corinthians 12, 27, it says this, that we are the body of Christ, and each one of us is a part of it. Each of us has something to contribute. Every one of us is needed. And some believers are called to the leadership of the church, and the Bible describes five specific kinds of leaders that are needed within the body of Christ. And in Ephesians 4, it says this, To each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors or shepherds, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of Christ. So for the past 14 years, uh, Christina and I have been called to be pastors and shepherds and teachers. Now, pastors are those who care for the local church, right? They are the shepherds. They, they nurture and they care for and they protect uh, the flock. And teachers, uh, on the other hand, have the ability to understand and explain God's word in ways that builds up people's faith. So we've been pastors uh, and teachers. Evangelists, on the other hand, uh, are fishers of people. They are primarily concerned with sharing the good news of Jesus with people outside the church, uh, and prophets are, uh, are gifted people with the ability to be able to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and to the culture. And they often say hard truths um, that, the, that people need to hear. They call us back to love and justice and holiness. Um, but what is, a, uh, what is a prophet? I mean, sorry, what is an apostle? The word in Greek is uh, apostolos, which means one who is sent forth. So apostles are big picture people. They are uh, builders. They go into the world and they pull together teams to start new churches, uh, create networks and develop leaders. And they're always thinking about the future. 
Apostles are, are people who work to ensure that the faith is passed from one context to another context and from one generation to another generation. And one of the greatest apostles was Paul. Uh, he would often introduce himself as Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And he traveled throughout Asia, building up the church. He planted new congregations, trained up leaders, brought together teams. He wrote letters. He connected the churches. And God used him in a powerful way. But deep down, when you read Paul's letters, you see that he had the heart of a pastor and a teacher. You see his heart for the local church in his writings. And so we've been reflecting a lot on Paul's life as we step into the role of district superintendent family for NorCal. Because um, God has called us now to an apostolic role. What, what we're going to be doing is very similar to the work that Paul did. But deep down, we will always be pastors and teachers. Because we love the local church. And I want you to know that that love for the local church, we discovered that and we developed that here with you. Because when I went to seminary, I did not go with the intention of becoming a pastor. I had a different, totally different path set up. But being with you is what changed that. Being with you convinced us that the local church is the hope of the world. Because Christ in us is the hope of glory. This is what the scriptures teach us. And so because we fell in love with Trinity, we discovered our pastoral calling. So Albert and I, we feel a real deep connection um, to Paul when we read his letters to the churches of Asia. And his words are infused with longing and affection and love and gratitude. And, and he longed to visit the many churches that he planted, his his family, his, his spiritual communities, but his ministry made it difficult. And sometimes it was often years before he was able to visit, but Paul held them in his heart. And he heard stories of their faithfulness, and it encouraged him during the long days spent traveling or in prison. In Romans 1, 8-12, Paul writes, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. And I remember you in my prayers at all times, and I pray that by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. In Colossians, it reads, in another epistle of Paul, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all God's people. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. 
So can you see Paul's pastoral heart right, in his writings, his love for the local church? Now, there was one church that Paul had a very special love here, love for, and that was the church at Philippi. And the church at Philippi started as a little house church that Paul personally planted. It was the first one on European soil. What happened was Paul was, was in Philippi and he was sharing the gospel with some women who were gathered by a river. And a woman named Lydia became a believer and her whole household was baptized together. And so Paul and his companions, they stayed with her and that's how that church was born right in Lydia's home. And it's been said that Philippi was the church of Paul's heart. He had a very special love for them. And, and when we see how he, how he addresses them in the letter, you can see that. In Philippians 1, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. And in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so he's wearing his heart on his sleeve. When I pray for you, I pray with joy and thanksgiving. And he says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you. I don't care if people say I'm playing favorites. You guys are special to me, right? And he says, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how, long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Man, I want to see you guys. Man, I miss you. And he says, this is my prayer. It's your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Trinity Church, you will always be our Philippi Church. You are the church of our hearts. In all our prayers for you, we pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From this first day until even now, when we are confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And we make this promise, like we, we honestly believe with all our hearts that no matter where the Lord takes us, no matter which state, maybe even which country, that we will always have you in our hearts. You are just so deeply embedded into our family and into our relationships. And our prayer will be that your love will bound more and more, that you'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You've been our partners in the gospel from the first day until now. And we want to share uh, with you some of the fruit of that partnership. Let's kind of celebrate that today. 
Jesus told his disciples, I chose you and appointed you to, that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I'm the vine. You are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And God has been faithful, and according to his power that is at work in us, we have been bearing much fruit to the glory of our Father. And so here is some of that fruit from the past 10 years. When uh, We've been here about four, a little over 14 years, but uh, since Christine and I became the lead pastoral family, in March of 2008. At that time, we had about 122 people gathered here on Sundays. And in March 2016, this is just before we uh, uh, merged with the Roland Heights campus, we had about 219 people on average coming here. For last year, all of 2017, we had 298. And the highest attendance that we've seen in the last decade was Easter of last year. We had 474 people gathered in our campuses. We've had 90 baptisms in the last 10 years, 116 new members, 25 child dedications, and more on the way, right? <laughs> Financially, um, the generosity of this church just blows me away. In 2008, we received revenues, including tithes and offerings and other sources of income, of a little over $280,000. And in 2017, Last year, we, we received revenues of 848902 And that's not including a six, roughly $660,000 gift that we received in order to pay off the debt on our other campus. Our total current assets are just under $5 million. And that includes our two campuses and our two parsonages. And we have no debt, praise be to God. Because of those resources, we've been able to expand our staff from when we started just a handful to now 12 pastoral and support staff. We now have six congregations worshiping in three different languages. We have two preschools serving almost 100 students. And so God has been faithful to bear a lot of fruit. And not everything can be measured by numbers. And so Christine's going to share a little bit of what she has seen in terms of our ministries. Some of our highlights in our ministries, when we first got here, there were no men's, men's ministry or women's ministry at all. And so since then, it is now so strong. Our, our men's and ministry uh, teams, uh, Johnny, Pastor Johnny, he leads the men's ministry. Uh, Carol and her team of, what is it, 12 now, um, leads the women's ministry teams, and they are just... Uh, so good at, at um, trying to minister to both the men and women here at Trinity Church and outside our walls as well. Our youth ministry, where's, where's Pastor John? I don't know where, oh, there he is. Like what he has done with the youth ministry in the past three years is absolutely phenomenal. Our children's ministry, we've had so many people just um, invest so much in our children's ministry, like Sandra Wong, Desiree, and so many other, like the directors, all the volunteers, like all the teachers, Cheryl and Cindy, like so many people. And now we are so excited that we have Caitlin in our midst, and she's going to be taking the mantle for the next season forward for children's ministry. When we first got here, there were no small groups. 
And now we have the bridge, we have um, life groups, community groups, we have a number of discipleship groups that meet during the week. We have the primetime boomers group. They've been around forever, though, I'd have to admit. <laughs> Even before we were here. Uh, the fellowship, you know, we've had, uh, since we've been here, 23 retreats. And each of those retreats where we drew closer to each other, closer to God. We've had uh, 12 short-term group mission trips. We've been to Mexico, Thailand, to Houston, and LA's uh, Skid Row here just locally. There's been just a lot of exciting things, a lot of ministry that's been happening in our midst. We believe strongly that we need to be integrated with our community and also the worldwide church. And so we've developed a lot of partnerships. And because of that, we've been able to uh, magnify and uh, exponentialize our impact. And so we've worked uh, with uh, different various homeless outreach programs with Family Promise, which helps uh, homeless families find affordable housing and jobs uh, with Central City Outreach. That's our Nazarene church down on Skid Row. We've helped feed the homeless and support their ministries there. Uh, our youth group on Friday nights has been going to a union homeless station in Pasadena to feed the poor. Uh, we have partnerships with Team World Vision for clean water. We raised $100,000 so far. We're going to raise more this year. More than 2,000 kids have clean water for the rest of their lives because of that. Uh, we partnered in anti-human trafficking efforts with Gems Uncovered, which is a ministry down in Long Beach to prostitutes, uh, with uh, World Team, uh, which uh, has, has uh, worked on anti-human trafficking initiatives in Thailand, but also locally. And right now, one of the projects they're working on is called Traffic Free Azusa. Uh, we've also been involved in our community with uh, partnering with our local, um, our, our city uh, to put on an annual Easter egg hunt. We have extravaganza over at our other campus, uh, harvest festivals, summer programs, vacation Bible school, church in the park. Uh, I, I serve as a chaplain with Monterey Park uh, Police, been supporting them. Uh, we provide food for the Shepherd of the Hills Food Bank. We work with the American Legion. Uh, we, we've supported the Boys and Girls Club. We're members of the Chamber of Commerce. We have three members of our church that are missionaries with InterVarsity, uh, Abner Molly Ramos and Prenny O'Brien. Uh, and so we've been, support, we've been supporting their ministries. Uh, Luzi Poder Church in Ensenada, we've been partnering them for five years now. Uh, Vikasita Ministries in India, which works with uh, orphans and, uh, and, and uh, women who need job training. They train pastors, they have a seminary there. We've been supporting their ministry. Uh, we've been, we support the Teen Youth uh, Center in China, that's Maria Lim's ministry. Uh, Nazarene Missions International, all of these different partnerships. Cardio Start, when uh, Jim Welpley was with us, uh, he, um, he, provide, he helped on medical teams to provide uh, heart surgery for kids around uh, the world in developing countries. So all kinds of partnerships. And I just want to say, when Jesus says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not stand against it, he was not kidding. And we have been able to partner in what God is doing uh, in the world. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Everything we have done has been possible because God has made his dwelling place with us. We are the body of Christ. And his spirit lives in us. And so we give all credit and all glory to Jesus. Amen? And our prayer has constantly been that Trinity will not be a nice or friendly church. I mean, I pray that we are. 
but that's not all that we are, but that we are a powerful church. Because Jesus doesn't say you will become nice when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, right? He says you'll receive power. We'll pray that that's who we are. Now, Christine and I came into this church as husband and wife, as a team. We served here as a team, and we will leave here as a team. And I just want to say, I could not have pastored this church without her help. I would still be lost in my sins if it weren't for this woman. She is the one who led me to Jesus. And from the beginning, I have loved the way that she talks about Jesus. And so I wanted to give her the floor to be able to talk to you about Jesus one more time. So about a couple of weeks ago, we met at the Roland Heights campus during one of our prayer meetings. And if you have not made it out to a prayer meeting, either here on Wednesday nights or in Roland Heights on Saturday mornings, you need to go. It is so incredibly powerful. It is so powerful. I encourage you to go. But a couple of weeks ago, I was leading our prayer group, and I said, you know, a lot of times when we're praying, we talk a lot. You know, and we don't do enough listening to the Lord. So let's just kind of sit in silence, maybe about five minutes, and just ask the Lord to give you a word or an image or, or some sort of uh, encouragement, maybe for the church or maybe for you individually or maybe for your family. So we kind of just sat there in silence for a while. And then after the silence, you know, we shared, a couple of people shared um, some of the things that the Lord had uh, given them, and um, and I I got an image from the Lord. I didn't really get to share it that day because we ran out of time, but I want to share it with you today. I had this image of a lampstand, and the, the lampstand, the symbol of a lampstand, it comes up maybe around 45 times in the, in the Bible, depending on what translation you're using. And this is what the lampstand looks like. But in my head, I saw like the lampstand like from the Narnia series, you know, like that's what I pictured. But I pictured that and it was shining brightly and it was shining brightly in our midst at Trinity Church. And I really felt the promise of the Lord saying, Christine, I am going to shine in the midst of Trinity Church even brighter after you leave. You see that the lampstand is a symbol of Jesus Christ many times throughout the Bible. And it reminded me, the Lord reminded me once again, Christine, as much as we are sending you and Albert to NorCal, we are also sending you away from Trinity. And, and I find that quite convicting um, and maybe even a little sobering. Because it made me realize, it made me ponder and consider. Throughout all our ministry, did, did Albert and I point to Jesus? Did I help guide Trinity to keep their eyes on Jesus? Or was it more so, and, and not knowingly, not consciously, was it to love us? And, and, and tears flowed. I sat there, and the tears were just flowing. So I did a little bit of research on, on a lampstand. 
in the Bible. As I said, it symbolizes Jesus, and it's first mentioned in Exodus when the people, the Israelites, they build their tabernacle, right? And, and we've had some sermons about, about the tabernacle, that there's the, the outer area, you know, where things are made out of bronze, like a, like different rituals of like cleansing your hands or whatnot, the basin. And, and the bronze material is supposed to symbolize sin, right? That you're supposed to purify yourself through the elements of, of the cleansing rituals and whatnot. And then you go into the, the, the holy place, right? And in the holy place, I'm not going to explain all the different um, symbolism in there, but one thing that you do see the minute you get in there is the golden lampstand. Because the golden lampstand, there's no light coming from outside. It's completely surrounded and covered um, with material. You can't see any light except from the lampstand. You know, Jesus is that lampstand. The material is made out of gold, meaning pure. And as you see, you, you see the three branches that come out, right? That is supposed to be us, right? That is us. And then the the center part, that's Jesus, and it kind of symbolizes, it's made out of one piece. It's not other pieces like put together. It's all made out of one piece, hammered out into these branches. And it reminds me of that verse when Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And it's like the Lord saying, Christine, Trinity Church is one in me, is one in me. And that Christ should be the only source of light. And, and it's lit 24-7, and the job of the priests, right, every morning and every night was to uh, keep the light and refill the oil so that it's lit throughout the whole time. And, 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 I, and I just hearing that, I, and I realized that for the pastors, for the leadership of this church, this is our job. Our job is to keep the light of Jesus on for our church, for our communities, right? To see the light of Jesus. Now, the lampstand can also represent the churches. Because we read in Revelation 2, we read uh, the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And, and John sees uh, this vision and hears these letters that are written to seven churches. And there's one church in Ephesus, and the angel writes to them, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. And Trinity Church, you have persevered. Uh, Roland Heights campus, you have persevered so much change. You have persevered. But then it says this. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, I am not saying that we have forsaken our first love. I am not putting that charge against you. 
Because if that were to be true, it really wouldn't be criticism to you. It would probably be criticism to your pastoral leadership. Because that's our job, to keep your eyes on Jesus. And so my encouragement to you after we leave, like during our prayer meeting yesterday, um, yesterday morning, Pastor Albert just sensed, like, what if the past 14 years with the hungs at the, you know, at the, at the helm, that it is actually the driest season at Trinity, that after we leave, that the Holy Spirit would come, that the lampstand would absolutely take his place, Jesus Christ as the lead, uh, the, the lead pastor, and lead our church into a season of this explosive growth. And I'm not even just talking in numbers, but explosive growth in our faith. We have a number of youth that are being baptized today. And so I met with each one of them, and I asked them to write a testimony. And they said, well, what do I write in my testimony? So I said, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean that you want to be baptized now? What does it mean that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And some of their answers, they said, well, you know what? I just love the church. I love the pastor that welcomed my family in. I love serving, oh, like going to Skid Row and doing this. And, and my heart was warmed and filled that these youth had such a heart for service, heart for the church. But then I have to tell them, what about your heart for Jesus Christ? What about your love for Jesus, your Savior, and your Lord? And I sat there, and I had to tell them, and, and I told, I was thinking in my own head, you know, that to consider, like, for our ministry, what have we taught Trinity Church? Did we teach you to do all these good works? Did we teach you to love the church and love one another? But did we teach you enough to love Jesus, to have a personal relationship with him where you go into the holy place and all you can see is the lampstand, the light from Jesus Christ? My encouragement and prayer for you, you know, for the board, for the staff, for the lay leaders, is to always, no matter what you are doing, point people to the love of Jesus foremost. And then everything else will fall into place. Some of you um, came to the church. Maybe this is the first church you've ever been to. Or you, you were gone for years and then you just came back. And, and we've heard several people say, Albert or Christine, we came because of you guys. Came and there was something, the way, the way that you shared the gospel or, or you took me out for coffee and, and you were really nice. And you know, I just thought, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll start. you came because of us. And, and that's, that's normal. That's, that's okay. That happens, right? 
because we often make friends with believers before we understand who the Lord is. And now you're wondering, well, what are we going to do when Albert and Christine go? Are we going to stay? And I just want to encourage you that, that from the get-go, this has been Jesus' church. Christ has been your shepherd. Anything that you received from us that was a blessing to you, that was Christ. It was not us. And, and God can use anyone to step into this role. And that mantle of blessing and, and authority will be on that person to be able to communicate the gospel to you in ways that will capture your heart and help you to grow. So you may have come for us, but please stay for Jesus. Let, let the spirit of Christ that you have experienced in this family be what compels you to continue and persevere. Colossians uh, 1, verses 25 to 29, uh, as I've explained in the past, has been my guiding verse as a pastor. Paul says, I've become a servant of the church by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. And to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This has been my foundational scripture as a pastor. This is what I hope that I'm able to do, is with all the strength, all the energy, all the gifts that God has given me to work, that works so powerfully in me to proclaim Jesus so that you may all become fully mature in Christ. This is what has been driving me. And just a couple of weeks ago, I noticed what the next verses say. And I got to say that they are the perfect verses for us now to embrace as the district superintendent family. It's almost like God is moving us on from this calling to this calling. Check this out. This is what Paul writes next. He says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and the believers in Laodicea. And for all who have not met me personally, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, Paul was writing to them because he couldn't be with them. He had a different ministry. He was traveling throughout Asia, encouraging the churches, building up the churches. And he says, I want you to know I'm out there for you on your behalf, on behalf of the Lord and on behalf of you as your ambassadors, your representatives, the body of Christ. I want you to know, and when I read this, I thought, yes, this is what Christine and I are doing now. And we want you to know how hard we would be contending for you and all the believers in Northern California so that they may be encouraged 
and that they may be united, and they may have the full riches of understanding, that they may know the mystery of God. It is a tough mission field, one of the least churched areas in the country. We are going to be contending for you. And then he continues, he says, For though I am absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit. I'm delighted to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. And I want you to remember these words. Because although Christina and I will be absent from you in body, we will be with you in spirit. And whenever we hear stories of your faithfulness, and the works that God is going to accomplish through you, it will fill our hearts with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. He says, brothers and sisters, what is our hope? Our joy of the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Is it not you? You are our glory and our joy. The only reward that we ask from the Lord for the work that we've done with you is that God would capture your hearts and use you in a mighty way. You are our reward. You are our glory. You are our crown. You are our joy. You are the only thing that we ask for. The only thing that we ask for from the Lord. Lord, capture the imaginations in the hearts of our people. Make them one. You are our glory and our joy. So we thank you. Amazing group of people. We'll never find another group of people like this. Thank you. Can we pray? Yeah. Can I just uh, give one more word? Um, you are going to have new, a new pastoral couple in your midst. We don't know who that is. Um, it might be not new to the church, but, you know, we, 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 we don't know. But you will have a new lead pastoral couple. And I think my encouragement to you is um, that you cleave to them, that you never say the words, well, Albert didn't do it that way. Or Christine would never do that. You know, that you would never use those words. And I just want to let you know that a pastor's job is incredibly difficult. But I have read that a pastor's wife's job is even more difficult. <laughs> it is true. And I know that as a pastor's wife, I personally had a calling from the Lord to become a pastor myself. That might not be the case with your next pastoral couple. That next pastor's wife might have a calling to work elsewhere, you know, to stay at home with their children. 
They, her calling might be completely different than mine. And so all I ask is to be gentle with her, right? to be gentle and not be demanding of, of um, well, this was what the tradition was here at, at, at Trinity, and to give her the freedom to explore her own calling in your midst. Um, that's, that's, that's what I want to say. Mm -hmm. Your next pastor may be a woman. Maybe it's the husband. Maybe it's the, the husband who will have the tough job. So we'll see. Let's pray together, shall we? And we ask the worship team to come and lead us in singing. Lord, this is a beautiful church. These are beautiful people. They're beautiful because your spirit lives in them and has been shaping them more and more to look like Jesus. Your word says how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And we have tried to do that. We've tried to bring good news and be good news to our community, to each other. Don't always do it perfectly your spirit compels us. Wherever Christine and I go, we're going to hold these beautiful people in our hearts. They are our glory and our joy, our crown. Jesus, you love this church. Take care. Take care of our family. Take care of our people, God. Use them, Lord. Heal them of the things that they've been carrying and need to be set free from. of our almighty God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.